You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Say no me diga with me. Can you say it? No me diga. Hello, friends, and welcome to a a spicy edition of Too Much Exposition. <laughs> I am your host, Brendan Henderson, and joined, as always, live from her blanket fort with her gamer headset, <laughs> it is your friend and mine, Gabriella Day. Gabby, how are you? Way to introduce the podcast about In the Heights is spicy. That is what the kids would call a problematic friend. <laughs> Is it? It's spicy. <laughs> I suppose it is spicy. I guess that is um, correct. I think this now is where we explain. In our first episode, we didn't super explain what too much exposition the theater podcast about nothing means. The theater podcast about nothing pretty much means we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So last week um, was our Hades Town behind the scenes episode. This week we're talking about In the Heights. We plan to talk about another show next week, but we will not only be talking about shows. We have bigger plans. In the Heights is just a a, a spicy topic right now, so we couldn't resist. It's, it's compared to Hamilton, it is considerably more spicy. It is considerably more spicy than Hamilton. I suppose that's correct. If Hamilton is the story of American history, I guess it's more tobacco-y than spicy. I, what? <laughs> Anything? What? You were supposed to laugh at my stupid joke. America wow. was America it's... was founded on tobacco. I thought everybody. I thought everybody. Oh wow! Very topical for your 1700s humor. I'm sorry. I'm not. They totally had a, a dance number in in Hamilton about tobacco, right? You were there for that. I, I didn't make that Did up. Did they? Oh God! There's been so many shows in between that. So <laughs> many shows that since what? Almost a year ago that it released on Disney Plus. Yeah, it was Fourth uh, of July last year. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember I got to deal with the family on that one. You know how my family is. You know, very conservative background, growing up in a small town. You know, and not access to anything. It's very isolated, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, very, very set in their ways and not willing to look at things a different way. And 
watch, my family's going to, like, this is the one episode they're going to listen to. Yep, 100%. (laughs) But, you know, I had the bright idea of, hey, I want to show them Hamilton. And, you know, it it went over about as well as you'd expect it to be. Oh, I'm sorry, friend. That's a bummer. It ended with me crying in the bathroom. And my mom needed to come in and check on me. And then me saying, like, how do you have such small ideas? <laughs> yeah, it was, and then we went and we, uh, then we went and watched fireworks. Oh, my heart. Oh. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, well, that's interesting that that's your story, your family story about Hamilton. Because I think In the Heights hits my family a little bit differently as a Latina woman. Um, right? Because I was born in Brazil. My family immigrated to the States when I was a baby in the year 2000. We came to America just in time to die during Y2K. You know, everything since then, I guess. This is just the matrix. Wow. <laughs> um, but my family is really small, right? It's just me, my mom, my brother, and then my grandma came over to visit us as well. So I think In the Heights has, a, we'll get into it in a little bit, but In the Heights has a lot of themes, I think, that relate to me and my family very strongly. Um, and I'm bummed because I'm taking my grandma to see it tomorrow, um, and I would like to say what she thinks about it, because my grandma used to be a professional flamenco dancer, so I think she'll like all of it. <laughs> how, how- how does one become a professional flamenco dancer? You just dance really well and get paid for it. That's my grandma. She used to pick me up when I was a kid, and I would have um, two tap classes in a row each night. Sometimes she would come and pick me up, and so she would like sit there in the parking lot of the dance studio, and next door to us, they were doing flamenco dancing. And I would get in the car, and she would just like talk mad shit <laughs> about the people doing flamenco. She's like, their hands are all wrong, their feet are all wrong, their form is horrible. I was like, go off, Grandma! <laughs> Damn! Wow. That's not what we're talking about. Um, I wrote here a little wait in the wings moment. I can set it to some music, just like we did last time. Do you want to give us a shot, Brendan? I'm really curious to see how you trying to read my writing go <laughs> oh you wanted me to read the i thought i thought you wanted to do like last time where it's just like brendan give us a really quick history on in the heights oh i mean like what do you know uh let's see i know that lynn was this is a very rough i could be totally That's off fine. base with this don't look don't look at the I know that, don't look at the sheet no cheating <laughs> okay Okay, I know that I know that Lynn was in a really fancy college and he was like, I need to impress this big guy on campus. I'm going to do a show that's kind of like West Side Story, but more modern. And my God, I love Rent. So I'm going to try to <laughs> modify right. things. And so uh, so so they, they put on they put on the show and it was like it was pretty OK. <laughs> oh, but then he like started he started getting his friends together and they were in the drama bookshop basement and uh and he he got them together and it was the same group that did hamilton and they were called the cabinet uh that's what they would become known as after hamilton Wow! but then they they kept working it he brought on a, a book writer who was able to really uh refine it to where instead of just being too many narratives it was like let's focus on three businesses and gentrification and uh the importance of community and then it 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 was really hard to get greenlit but it it got on stage and then everyone was like holy shit broadway's kind of been super white (laughs) 
who would have thought? Did anyone? Did anybody notice? Oh God. my! Oh my goodness! It was like it was like the edgiest thing that Broadway had done was probably Spring Awakening up to that point, which that was probably the like just different style of music, different just representations of, of stories. Yeah. And then In the Heights comes around and it's like, you know what works really well in theater? Rapping. Go figure that in a medium where you need to focus on text mm -hmm. and language, that rapping would be a good way to do that. Who knew? And then it just then it just it just blew up from there. And there's a lot of more there's a lot more intricacies in there, but that was just a rough overview. I mean, that's fair. It's so funny because all the things I was expecting you to say, like basic milestones of the show, is not what you said at all. Like always, you like found the human story, you found the human element, you just like you pulled it out. Like you told Lynn's story and the story of the cabinet and how they fought and how they're here and <laughs> um that was amazing. Here's <clears throat> Here's what we actually need to say. Following a tryout in Connecticut and off-Broadway, In the Heights first opened on Broadway in 2008 at the Richard Rogers Theater, which is crazy. Um, its creator, now famous, Lin-Manuel Miranda, had been working on the production since he was only 19 years old and in college. You got that part right. After 10 months, it recouped its initial investment of $10 million on Broadway, and it ran for almost three years, closing in January of 2011 with 1,184 performances. It was nominated for 13 Tonys, it was a finalist in the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, and it won the Grammy for Best Musical Show Album. Looking at the history of In the Heights, it's just so funny how like the parallels between in the heights and hamilton are just uh, remarkable <laughs> how similar they are and i think um something that lynn seems to do really well is find a very good creative team and trust them and stick with them which i think is so important and it's important to like recognize that and talk about people other than him right because like you can say that someone is right. a genius but it's also very much about the team of people they have around them that they trust no for sure that's in the heights let's get into the movie which came out this weekend but this podcast is probably coming out like a month late so it's gonna be really timely but so here's your refresher <laughs> of in the heights here's the refresher Hopefully, like people are still talking about it <laughs> i hope so i really <laughs> it's gonna so. like it's gonna be like it's gonna be like probably when they hear this, it's going to be an irrelevance. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, come Oscar season, it comes back up again and it becomes relevant, and we can link to it on Twitter. That's amazing because I wasn't even once like, oh, maybe they'll consider this for an Oscar. <laughs> like that did really that did not even cross my mind. I'm like, no way. I'm pretty optimistic. Like it was, and that's saying something because I usually just go to stupid movies, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I and I'm like the same way. If I don't really think of things. Uh, unless they're like really Oscar bait where you can really tell that they're going for yeah. an Oscar, then I won't say this is probably going to get nominated. Well, but... I suppose that's why I didn't think of it like that, because I was like, oh, this was just in the Heights. It was just like a delightful little thing. And the Oscars don't tend to <laughs> highlight the delightful little things. But you're right. No. It, yeah. By all means, should be nominated, should win lots of things. But we'll see. God, it better. I, I can't see it I can't see any reason why it wouldn't. Like I can kinda get the argument of why you don't want to nominate superhero movies, even though it's really dumb. Because I think that, you know, there's still a lot of storytelling and art that goes into it. Right. And I don't think 
Who knows? Award shows are just stupid. Yes. In all. Award shows are stupid. I mean, they're <laughs> like, like it sucks that they're important and that they do give that status and that it is just like if I won a Tony, you know, I'd be fucking thrilled. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't change the fact that it's like stupid. <laughs> that it's just right. a dumb thing of. It's like in college when we won the uh, the best independent show and we got a piece of paper and I was like, well, this is kind of dumb. Woohoo! You won best <laughs> like, thank independent you, but this show. This is kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Those are my achievements. Um, I think in 2015, I won an award for being like a star volunteer um, at a local regional theater. And it was like this whole award show and this big night. And I've moved this award like five times since winning it. And I just unpacked it today. And I was like, why do I have this? <laughs> I don't I don't know that I need this or what to do with it. Because it's like a symbol that that we've it's a symbol that we've like achieved something yeah. in the eyes of of society and and our peers. They uh, merit something. I think the legacy of In the Heights yeah. and other shows are more so the impact that they have on people. Right. But here's now that I think about it, here's the big difference with like the awards that we got compared to a Tony <laughs> Award. Uh, the, the, there's the, me the saying why are the prestigious little awards that we got compared to the the, the <laughs> Tonys? What are which ones are those? Is that for what are music? The I don't even what. Well, it's it's important to remember that like while there is that level of you know recognition, acclaim, prestige, that's the, what I want. You know, a lot of it is based off of money, and if if you have a show that's really great, but then you put together a really bad uh, Tony campaign, mm-hmm. it's not going to do that well. It's another it's it's another advertising tool, which is sad. Give us, give us your marketing background, Brendan. Give us them, them sick marketing beats. I can't remember what my professor said or what the timeline was, but I think it was just like for each Tony that a show wins, then that's another two years onto their runtime, like for the length that the show's going to be on Broadway. Well, I suppose that checks out. Looking at how how In the Heights ran on Broadway for three years, I was like, I kind of thought it would be longer, but I also kind of thought it would be shorter. So it um it makes sense. It's kind of like how we were talking about Hades Town. In the In the Heights technically shouldn't have succeeded on Broadway, but it did. No, yeah, you can start plastering that best musical or just that Tony Award anywhere mm-hmm. with the fancy leaves. Instantly, you're gonna get more people in who are like, well, if if these. If this group of elites thinks it's good, then that means I should spend my money on it. This is like 10 years ago when the King's Speech won like 20 million Oscars. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that movie. And then I'm like, why on earth would I watch that movie? The King's Speech by by Academy Award winning director. I don't know. Did he win the Academy Award for directing? I have no idea. Uh, Cat's Boy, Tom Hooper. Oh, King's Speech was Tom Hooper? Yeah, it's the same guy who Are directed Cats me? and Lee Miz. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won the Academy Award for Best Directing oh in 2011. Oh my god, our beauty boy Tom Hooper. Okay, wait. That, okay. Oh, I have so many things I want to say now. I wanted to have a conversation about what movie trailer you saw um, in the theaters. Honestly, okay. I live in San Diego. You live in Philadelphia. Um, I went to go see this movie by myself. Presumably you did as well. <laughs> and I yep, sat in the same. theater and I was like, man, it would have been stupid to fly to Philadelphia to see this movie together, but it would have been so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to talk about, like, before we talk about what trailer we saw for In the Heights, I want to talk, did you get the trailer for that new Hugh Jackman movie? I did, and okay, so I was sitting the there, reminisce. and it was like, you got your West Side Story, and then, like, your stupid kids movies, and then the Hugh Jackman trailer just made me mad, because I was like, are you attacking the theater people who hate Hugh Jackman for making <laughs> Beetlejuice go away? <laughs> and I know that that wasn't the case, but I was just sitting there about to watch, like, maybe the best movie musical, and just Hugh right. Jackman looking me in the eye, and I'm like, screw you, like, man. Everywhere. I wanted to see Beetlejuice, and it's your fault. I'm excited that you got to see it, though. I'm excited that they threw it in, that it wasn't just a common, like, which just wasn't just a coincidence. But it's got the same lady who played Jenny. It's got the same lady who played Jenny Lind in Greatest Showman, the opera singer. That's like never enough. I never saw Greatest Showman. <laughs> you never saw Greatest Showman. The cinematography. Then you need to watch uh, Greatest Showman and then go back and rewatch this reminisce trailer because it's like someone was saying, "Let's." It's like somebody watched Greatest Showman and then said, "Let's take all of that cinematography." but make it about action and make it masculine. Because there's a scene where he like goes through the blankets and everything, mm -hmm. just like in The Greatest Showman. I wanna, I'm gonna say that this is like, I wanna look at this as a prequel oh to God. Greatest Showman. No, I'm not, I don't. We're gonna come back and we're gonna watch Reminisce. I don't want anything to do with this new action movie starring Hugh Jackman. How many people were in your theater? Um, it was nice. There were maybe like eight to ten of us. It's nice. San Diego, actually, as of right now, um, our COVID numbers are doing super duper well. We're one of the top cities of like percentage vaccinated, which is really cool. So it's nice that movie theaters are open, but they're still socially distanced, which is great for someone like me who deeply loves going to the movies deeply hates other people <laughs> like i regularly will go to very fancy movie theaters and pay like 20 plus dollars for a movie ticket just so i don't have to deal with a bunch of other assholes sitting around me <laughs> just so you have like the really big cushion seats exactly and so in like my two, row was just yeah. like me and then one other guy who came alone and because of where we chose our seats nobody else could sit in our row it was amazing it was delightful um, people laughed, people clapped, which I have feelings about. Um, and it went, it went pretty well. It's nice that my theater was quiet. Yours was empty? It was like, that was probably like a 500 seat. Like it was the biggest auditorium there. But it was like 4.30, it was 4.30 um, on a Friday. At a, at a pretty rundown theater too. Did, did you go to I? Did you do the IMAX? Because no. my theater had an IMAX option, and I almost did it. I did not do the IMAX option. I think I might with Grandma tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> they filmed it in IMAX. Who who films a movie musical in IMAX? John Chu does. That's who films a movie musical in James IMAX. Bond is barely getting his first IMAX movie. And I'm in October. I'm sitting there in the theater, and then the trailer for West Side Story comes on, and I was like, "That's right, Ansel Elgort is in this movie, but also it looks." <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good. I'm here for it. And then there was a stupid Hugh Jackman trailer. And then the Dear Evan Hansen trailer started. And I like... Oh, my God. That was when I walked into the oh theater. My God. I like looked to the guy sitting down like at the end of the row, the same one as me. And I was like, come on, dude. Like, give me a look if you also don't want to sit through this trailer again. It's just... Ugh. Ugh. I don't want to needlessly shit on Dear Evan Hansen. But the trailer is also just like... 
not that exciting. Like, compared to, like, the West no, Side Story trailer it's... or anything that In the Heights put out, you look at the Dear Evan Hansen trailer, and it's like, this is what people don't like about musicals, is that they're like, I'm serious. I'm telling an important story. I'm whiny and sad. And it's like, mm. It's like the DC movie, <laughs> the DCEU. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> of movie musicals. The DEHU. Oh, um. God. No, dear Evan Hansen universe, please. It's a new t-shirt, no. the DEHU. Well, I, I was watching that trailer, and it just feels like, you know when you see those, like, like Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. one of those trailers, or, like, what was it, Five Feet Apart? Yeah. Or Paper Towns? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Dear Evan Hansen felt yes. like to me. Yes, And the problem is, is, like, Fault in Our Stars was great. It was it was lucky, because it was cashing in at a time when those movies were still pretty big. Right. Because, I mean, we, we didn't have Twilight <laughs> anymore. We had so Twilight? We oh, okay. I was like, Did we? I'm like, what Did, year yeah. do you think that movie came out? No, was... we didn't have it anymore. Like, I suppose. We were, I'm pretty sure that, yeah. that was... That was post-Twilight, I think. No, it was post-Twilight, not pre-Twilight. Yeah. No, it was post-Twilight, yeah. So we were looking for something, but then I saw, like, you know, it's more often than not, it's not going to be good. And that's what I felt Mm -hmm. watching the Dear Evan Hansen trailer was, like, this is, like, one of those teen love stories that just isn't good. And they basically give away the entire show. They really do. They're just like, here, I wrote this letter. Oh, Connor's dead. Oh, I need to tell him the truth. Thanks for coming. No, it's just like it's just like any bad action movie. It's like you watch the trailer and you know exactly what's going to happen or whatever. It's like cool. Right. Thanks, dear Evan Hansen, for making this super uh, interesting for everybody. Again, I don't want to needlessly shit on dear Evan Hansen. We will do that another time. But it was just like compared to what was about to come, I was just like, uh, go away. Maybe dear it'll maybe trailer. it'll be really good. Maybe it'll maybe it'll blow us away and it'll be maybe the best movie musical blow since us Greece. All away. Maybe. Maybe. I'm I'm just super bummed about it because I remember last year when I started up the blog on the website, like that was one of the first articles that I wrote was about the Darren Hansen movie and how excited I was at the possibility of it. They just they Sonic the Hedgehog bit. Yeah. Where <laughs> like they why did they put a wig on him? I don't it would have think... been so much better if he just didn't have the wig. He didn't have the like when has he ever had a hairdo like that? Listen, Ben Platt tweeted that that was his real hair. And as a person with curly hair, I'm inclined to believe him. This is my hot controversial Why does Ben Platt's hair look like a wig? Well, because here's the thing. Curly hair is not often portrayed in media. So maybe we see curly hair and we assume it must be fake because... No, it's it's not because of that. It's be, it's because his the, the hair on his head does not match the hair on his eyebrows or anywhere. Well, I mean, like, he's in Hollywood. Maybe he's, they had to dye it because he's, you know, like... 55 years old playing a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> He's the same age as Jordan Fisher. That's crazy. When you said that, I was like, okay, well, mm, but Jordan Fisher just feels so much younger. And that also, you right. know what? Let's just get into it. Let's talk about In the Heights. You wanted to discuss yeah. something about how it's interesting how Lynn cast himself in uh, this show versus how they put Ben and Dear Evan Hansen, which I also just like. Everything about the returning cast members in this movie just filled my heart with so much joy because right. they did it the right way. <laughs> well, it was just especially just when when you see 
Lynn, at the beginning, because this was, honestly, this was my first exposure to In the Heights. This was my next two, yes. I suppose we could start yeah. there, is that I yeah. was not super familiar with In the Heights. I obviously knew it was a thing. I remember in school I had some friends that did musical numbers from In the Heights, but I never really right. listened to the album. I never saw it, never saw bootleg and all that stuff. Um, so we were both I remembered, uh, yeah, I listened to, like, Blackout. That was the one that would always show up on Spotify mm-hmm. when it would do, like, the go-through. But that was really, yeah, that was really it. And so when when Lynn came on screen for the first time, I thought he was going to be like a really important role. Oh, he was pivotal <laughs> to it somehow. Okay, I guess at least I knew that much. I was just like, no, oh, I didn't. Like, he's just like he's the Paragua guy. He's just like right. whatever. I don't know. I was thinking maybe there's going to be something revolutionary about this character. I thought that he won the lottery ticket. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> that would have been. Sick. Imagine. I thought it was gonna it's be like this amazing movie with all these great things, and then it's just like, hey, this this random <laughs> little dude is the one that won the lottery ticket. I was thinking maybe like maybe there's something there, but I was wrong, and I set myself up for failure. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. This is what a theater degree will but... get you, folks. Save yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna overanalyze everything and think, what role is this person gonna play? But I. Also, I mean, you probably assume that because, like, Lynn was in the movie, so it's like you would assume he's probably right. playing a really important character, especially since, you know, in the original In the Heights and in Hamilton, he cast himself as the lead. So, like, him right. casting himself as a very small side character is a very different situation for him. Right. Especially when, if you think about it, realistically, <laughs> and it's funny because, like, Lynn is considerably older than Ben Platt. Lin-Manuel Miranda is 41 years old. Here's the thing, though, is that he looks like... I don't know what deal he made with who, but he he still... Like, if you just dyed his hair the right color, you could still have him be uh, Usnavi. But I'm so glad he wasn't. And that's the thing, is that having him be Usnavi would have made so much sense because... He, you know, he was him on Broadway. Mm-hmm. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda, right. who people know, who has that bankability to it. Mm-hmm. He could have so easily just came in and said, if we're going to do this, I get to be the lead. Because we yeah. need to, what What are they saying with Ben Platt? They need to, like, preserve his performance or something. Yeah. But he didn't do it, which he very easily could have, but he didn't. Because yeah. it, it, it's not about him which was just really nice of even in how he's been advertising it and promoting it too, is he's very much about like, okay, I've done really great things and I've had great opportunities and I've achieved great success. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I help other young performers get there too? Which was just really nice. That is, yes. No, all of that that you just said is exactly right. And it's amazing. And I think the thing with Dear Evan Hansen, that that is what they're saying, that they have to preserve his performance because um, in the prom movie, um, Caitlin Kanunen, who played Emma in the uh, staged version of The Prom, she, you know, like, won a Tony for her performance and auditioned for the movie and didn't get it. And she, like, publicly talked about that story on Instagram. And she's like, this isn't about the fact that I'm the only person that can play Emma. It's just about the fact that, like, they they treated all of us that were in the stage show really poorly and they need to do a better job. And so I think it's interesting that they did the opposite of that with Ben Platt, but that people are upset. <laughs> um, but I also kind of understand why, because it's like there have been so many people that have also played um, Evan Hansen after Ben Platt that have done a really, really good job. 
I mean, he got to perform right. at the Tony. I feel like I remember his Tony performance, and it was super memorable. Like, I thought it was amazing. Right. I thought it was really good. I think about it all the time. I mean, he's on the cast recording, and he's just, I don't know. It's just. I just, I just think, I think it would have, there would have been a better way to pass the torch. Exactly. In Dear Evan Hansen. Exactly. He could have played someone else. He could have played Connor's dad. Why, like, why, he could have been Connor's dad. Yeah. They could have just aged him up, and he could have been Connor's dad. Like. I, I just look at it the same way of, like, you know, 2004's Phantom of the Opera. They could have brought back Michael Crawford. They could have. But they didn't. They gave it, they gave it to a small up-and-comer named Gerard Butler. <laughs> Um, well, and I like, too, that they brought back um, a Christopher Jackson in a really cute way. I just, that whole situation was just right. really adorable. So, like, these two men, like, they were the two male leads. They're just back as these two cute little side characters. Right. It's just, like, my heart was filled with so much joy that they were in the movie, but that they didn't take away from everything. Also, oh, my God. Right. How did nobody tell me that Patrick Page was in this movie? <laughs> I was sitting there, and, like, I we took everything in my power to not scream that Patrick Page was in this fucking movie, and that, get this, he played one of the bad guys. I just... In the theater, that was one of the moments where I was very, very happy that I was alone, because I just went, Patrick Page? I yelled it. I audibly yelled yes, it. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to do, and let the special ending. Nobody stayed for the special ending. Like we've been closed for a year, and people forgot that a lot of movies do special endings now. And it was just the two of them, and I was just like, "Yes!" I was so, I was so happy. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that you got to have your Patrick Page moment because I thought of you, and I didn't tweet about it because I was like, "Brendan needs Brendan needs to experience this for the first time without knowing." <laughs> Well, I think it's also just because, you know, coming off of the Hadestown video, like, Patrick Page has been everywhere. And so this is one of the places you wouldn't expect to see him. You, you bring up an interesting point, though, of they, there were so many references that only theater, like, even if you're not a fanatic, like, theater people would get. And I'm sure that I missed most of them because, like, outside of Lynn and Christopher Jackson, it's like I noticed the little um, Hamilton tune that was the, like, the playback when he was on the phone. The you'll be back when he was yeah. on the phone, yeah. The people behind me, there were, like, three women sitting behind me. They, like, giggled and were like, oh, my God, at that. And I was like, hey, cool. Everyone <laughs> in this theater is cool. It's a shared universe. <laughs> I missed most of the references. I was very tempted to, like, look at a list of all of them so that we could list them off. But I'm sure tons of people are doing that already. What, which... Want to do it right now? I mean... On this on this theater podcast about nothing? Which ones did you notice outside of the three, the whopping three that I just pointed out? They, uh, they made a Star Wars connection by having Princess Leia's dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have never explained it like that, but sure. <laughs> Who knew this whole time In the Heights was actually just a Star Wars movie? I mean, there's lightsabers in it, so yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is just... Maybe that universe. This is just one of the... Um, this is what Disney would classify as Star Wars legends. They're like, we're not going to consider it canon until we feel like we want to, and then we'll, then we'll make it canon. Oh, well, here we go. Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna give a little bit of uh, I've got the uh, I've got a Refinery29 article pulled up on all the uh, all the pop culture Easter eggs. High journalism. So Here we go. if anyone hasn't seen In the Heights yet, skip ahead uh, to when you hear me go. Hoo -loo 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 -loo. 
and then that's how you know that we're done talking oh about these in the height uh just spoilers hit forward 15 like three times you're fine <laughs> uh we got christopher jackson of course uh let's see there's a there's a mark anthony cameo Yes, that's correct. At the end credits, everybody was like, Mark yep. Anthony? And I was like, oh, shit, that was Mark Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark Anthony's character was also one that was added into the movie based on what I've seen is that um, Sonny's dad was not in the stage show. I know they also took out some things between Nina and Benny, um, which I would have liked to see more of because I really liked those two characters. Um, I related to Nina <clears throat> a lot um and i thought that their love story was like maybe more compelling than vanessa and usnavi's love story um so i thought it was interesting that there was stuff that they cut out from them because i think i would have really enjoyed that but i like i've read a lot of articles at this point on like what they've changed and what they've cut out and like i'm gonna try to watch um a version of the broadway show if i can but i think I will say I loved, loved, loved the movie. It was very well paced. It was very emotional. And everything that they changed and cut out, I think they did with so much intention and goodwill that it was all to better the story. Um, So even though I have not seen the original and people might be upset, I love what they did with it. Like, especially because as a medium, theater pacing is just different. Um, Adapting it into a movie like will inevitably inevitably mean you have to cut things out and so i'm really really glad that they did and that lynn also wasn't just like this is my creation and like i'm gonna do this and it's got to go this way and it's like no like you brought in a new director and like you let him run with certain things and because of that it was so much better right and that's the important thing of we talked about it in the producers video too of a, a film is not the stage and no. certain things that worked great on the stage are not going to work. You can't just copy and paste it. Directly. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that was what went really well, too, is that, you know, it's a different medium on film. But that also just brings with it so many more opportunities yes. to just nuance the storytelling. Yes. And really have fun with the things that you can do on film that you can't do on stage too. It's also like, I think it's important to note that there are things you can do on film, like with a close up shot that you need like a whole musical number to do um, in a musical. Right. Like a couple years ago um, here in San Diego at the old globe theater, they did a musical adaptation of the movie Benny and June um, which was like a Johnny Depp movie from the nineties. I only bring it up because like, yeah. In that movie, they added, like, obviously it wasn't a musical in the first place, but they added, like, a bunch of musicals for um, Benny's character. That's funny. His name is also Benny. <laughs> um, but it's for exactly <laughs> that reason. It's, like, something in film that, like, with a close-up shot and the right music and a really good actor, like, you can convey, like, a very clear set of emotions, but you just cannot do that on stage because of the distance between the audience and right. the performer. Um, right. Well, I'm thinking, especially just at the end with when he's in the bodega and he he makes the decision of what not to do and you see just how the camera can take the audience on a journey of where to direct the eye to yes. what you're supposed to be seeing that you yes. couldn't do with just a set design. Like when he sees the, uh, what is it? Uh, Pacienza y Fe mm-hmm. mural. Good job, Brendan! Or the, the, or, or the pictures and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I was I, I remember watching that when I was in the theater and thinking that's something that you can't do on stage. Exactly. Yes. That no. Then that's exactly right. And so it's it's they 
they leaned so well and so heavily into the medium to make the storytelling better or different than it would have been on stage, which is just right. amazing because that is what the movie musicals lack so much of the time is like that particular right. nuance or they're not created by like well-seasoned filmmakers that know what they're doing and people who like exactly yeah only thing that kind of took me out of it and it's dumb <laughs> was when they were dancing on the side of the building that was the only thing that took me out of it just because they hadn't really alluded to anything like that so they kind of introduced a new rule of this universe near the end <sighs> I have because I know I know they've had like they had the dream sequence, but that one they kind of made it out of like okay, this is a dream, like with a with abuela, but that one it was like they were they were very clearly in the, in the world, and then all of a sudden they were dancing on the side. Same with when she when uh, Vanessa walks outside and she sees the the fabric flowing over the edges, uh-huh. but then it goes back into her eyes, so you could tell it was a fantasy. Mm-hmm. They never did that with the side thing, so now I just have to believe that they're both bitten by radioactive fire. <laughs> um, I mean, like, hang on, hang on. Uh, Patrick Page is in this movie, so is it just Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? <laughs> it's Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, it's the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've answered that question. Um, yes, Benny and Nina are both just... <laughs> Written, bitten by radioactive spiders. Nina is actually Arachne. They're part. They're part of the multiverse. That's what this is. This is. This is Whoa. part of the Spider-Man multiverse. It's part of the Lin Manuel Miranda multiverse. That's, ex- that's exactly right. I'm gonna go to Disneyland. I'm gonna see and them. Star Wars. And, yeah, um, all of it. <laughs> it's 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 ever it's all connected. Wow. This, this just in. Disney just bought out Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> they did that last year. <laughs> oh, that's right. Disney already owns the rights to. They did that. They did that as soon as he signed on for the Mary Poppins Returns movie. Oh, I guess that's right. I definitely forgot about that. That that was the thing. Um, yeah, a lot of pe- a lot of people did. Um, did you see it? I did. It was it was like a I walked out and I was like that was like a really good Mary Poppins tribute band. Okay. That's fair. Well, it's just like I'm curious I, too because They turned like, her Have you not seen it? No, cuz that was another movie musical. Like I really dislike movie musicals, although I love musicals. And so it's very funny how forgettable they are. I don't know. I feel like right. In the Heights was just so delightful, and it was so not forgettable, and it broke the mold in so many ways. I drew a lot of comparisons between In the Heights and Rocket Man with how they decided to approach musical numbers and things, Ooh. too. Let's because hear about that. that. I did see Rocket the... Man, and I loved Did you Rocket see Rocket Man? Man? Did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? I did not see Bohemian Rhapsody. Everyone, my mom was like, this movie's like God's gift to Earth, Gabby. Like, it's the best That's thing That's what you're my mom was like, see. too. My mom and me constantly argue about which is better, Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man. And it's kind of hard to compare the two because, yes, they're both, like, they're both, they have music in them. Mm-hmm. But I think that Rocket Man leans more into more into movie musical territory, which I was not expecting, especially because we were just coming off of Bohemian Rhapsody, which was very much, yeah. here's how it happened, here's the story. But um, it, it's just, with Rocket Man, you get more of that, that freedom of exploring with a musical. Mm-hmm. Because already at the beginning, you can set up that, you know, it doesn't have to be super realistic because who the hell just jumps up on a table and starts singing? Right. <laughs> There's already that suspension of disbelief. But that was just, I, I could see a lot of similarities between Rocket Man and 
in the Heights, just with how they decide to approach the cinematography for different sections. Um, that is super interesting because when I was thinking about other movie musicals, that was one that did not cross my mind at all. I mean, I watched Rocket Man on an airplane, so I definitely watched it on like a teeny tiny little screen, but I really enjoyed it. Also, Richard Madden is in that movie, and he's <laughs> a top top tier on oh, man. my list. <laughs> oh yeah, what a man! He's my he he's my pick to become the next James Bond. He would be a great Bond. It looks like they're gearing him to be, like, the new head of the MCU, though, so I don't think so. I doubt he'll be Bond if he's, if he's like, a big boy in Marvel movies. No, that's super interesting. I totally forgot. Rocket Man really was more of a proper musical because all other side characters sang. There was singing throughout it. And the pacing of that movie was really great. And it was, yeah, right, yeah, yes. It was also very high energy. It was very colorful. It was super engaging. And it didn't, like, it wasn't apologetic about what it was. It right. was just like, this is what we're doing. And you believe it and you enjoy it because we're not like, oh, ha, 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 we're going to sing songs now. Isn't this weird? But it's actually just a movie. Right. They were just like, nope, this is it. This is the universe that you've stepped into. Right. Welcome to it. Like, right off the bat, they're mm -hmm. just like, when, when he opens up the door and he's got the wings on, you're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> yep, you're like, I understand what this but is going to be. It, it, makes me, it makes me think of, is the key to a good movie musical having that balance and exposure to both the theater world and the film world? Because Elton John had that exposure to both, and he was very involved in Rocket Man. That's true, but I feel like Lynn has been in a lot of movies and tv shows but i don't know that he has really made them well i know that he brought on the same book writer to help with the screenplay that's true so he got like it's it, it feels like he covered his because he's got enough experience in both mm -hmm. but it's like you said the important thing is getting that team together that yeah. you can rely on and so he got someone who's really great in film and then he brought it and mixed it in with someone who's really good in theater and he made it happen. And I'm also like, who am I to say, like, um, Lin-Manuel doesn't have that much experience. <laughs> Once again, two, two people living in 350-square-foot apartments with their cats making a podcast. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, like, that's all podcasts are. Who are we to say anything? Who are we to say anything? <laughs> but I, I, think, I think you're right. It's about having that knowledge um, in both film and theater because they are so different and there are so many good things about both of them right like you and I obviously love theater and I'm studying theater because I appreciate theater as a discipline um but I love both mediums in like such a powerful way where I know a lot of theater people are like oh like movie acting ugh I could teach you movie acting in two minutes or like like they don't they don't work as hard as we do. They don't this, they don't that. And I'm like, honestly All you do is whisper. Exactly. It's it's like I think theater people who entirely dismiss the mediums of film and TV are just incorrect. <laughs> um, because it's also such a hard medium to do correctly. Um and yeah, something like in the Heights, that's this perfect little baby of both of them really does it. Because they also, they cut a fair amount of songs out of the movie. Um, I'm assuming to allow more moments for dialogue and to help with the pacing and things. But even that, that worked right. really well. It wasn't like, this movie musical doesn't need to be sung through. There's still a lot of songs in it, but there's also a fair amount of dialogue. I don't know. It flowed so well. I liked this movie so much. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it just it felt a lot 
more natural and just all around better than like anything than anything it's like i can't think of another movie musical that i have enjoyed this much it's just been a really dark like since 2012 it's been a very dark period for Mm -hmm. movie musicals Mm -hmm. i feel like especially just once tom hooper became like the the gatekeeper of movie musicals right and then for dear evan hansen didn't do that they did that same thing that they did for les mis and cats that the actors like control the tempo of the singing and then the music Uh. has to follow along with them and that's just like that's i think a lot of also what makes me think dear evan hansen is going to fail because that's not how musicals work (laughs) yeah can you imagine showing up to rehearsals for your musical and you're like hey musical director i'm the lead and i think that like the tempo and the beat of this song is going to go this way and ensemble y'all are just going to have to follow me and musicians Y'all are just gonna have to follow. Can you imagine? That that makes me think of it, it makes me think of something that when I was interviewing Michael Chorney for Hades Town, mm-hmm. when they were doing it off Broadway, um, he they were going through, I think it was flowers, and he was just he was like, I think that this is slower here. And so he slowed it down. Oh. And it kept like 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 he kept slowing it down and slowing it down. And it was getting like a, a good reaction from the house, but when he talked to the director uh, and when he talked to, um, who was it? It was whoever was playing Eurydice at that time. I can't remember who it was. I don't even know if it was off-Broadway specifics. But uh, they just brought up how it, it, it's slowing things down, and it's, stop, it's hurting the pacing, and it's hurting actors getting to their cues. Yes. So no, I cannot imagine no. having... <laughs> You can't. That's not. That's just not yeah. how theater works. It's a. It's a well-oiled machine. Exactly. In the basic sense, it's still theater and it's still a musical. And for music to sound good and right, it needs to follow a specific set of rules, right. which is not that complicated. Plus, so I don't understand why people are trying to, to to mix that formula when you have like. And I, I can get what they're doing, where they're trying to like. It's that thing of trying to bring that spontaneity and the the live authentic feel of theater to film Mm -hmm. but i'm just thinking like when i go to watch a movie musical i want like a really good sounding soundtrack yeah and the soundtrack the soundtrack for this movie is so good (laughs) oh my god blackout was just i was crying it's amazing i was crying i suppose we could talk about all the tears that happened while watching this movie oh my god you can do a tear counter and it's incredible because it was like our first exposure to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think, I don't know, if we have the conversation about culture, it's like I had said earlier, right? I was born in Brazil, but I've been mostly raised in America. And I think there's a lot of issues brought forward in this musical as well. Like, Abuela is great because a lot of people who are like me and who are like Sunny, even, um, grow up in America and they feel connected to their culture in America, but they also feel really connected to this culture of where they're from. But it feels, it's like, it's hard to be nostalgic for a place that you've never been to, right? And I've been to Brazil, I was born there, but I haven't been back since 2005 when I was eight years old. So it's like, it's a place I feel connected to and it's a place that I have culture from, but it's that culture has always been something that I've been connected to through my mom and through my grandma. And so seeing how everyone connected to their culture through each other and through their matriarch, um, like, was really, really emotional for me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, no way am I going to cry right now. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. 
Um, Don't apologize for your feelings. What? <laughs> well, and it's just like it's like Latino representation on Broadway is just not something that really exists. Um, it's something that maybe we'll talk about on the podcast later that I wanted to make a video about in the future. Um, like in the Heights is most of it. That other little show that Lin Manuel Miranda did um, for NPR. What is that thing called? What the heck I gotta do? Tiny Tiny Desk. Be with you. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What is that? What Tiny Desk? What? No. It's like he like made this like mini musical. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. What the heck I gotta do? What the heck I gotta do to be with you? What the heck I gotta do? What the heck I gotta do? Who do I have to be for you to be with me? You told her all this in class? Yeah. Well, I texted her. You know, I was like, what um, the heck I gotta there's do? There's that, like, in the 70s or 80s there was this show called zoot suit um which to this day has been the only time there was a chicano story on broadway um like latina and latino actresses like are so rarely cast in anything like as a latina woman like i never see myself portrayed on stage ever um, and like, let alone have any kind of representation of like what it is to have this culture of these people who are connected through their family and are really fucking loud and just like to dance um, and eat food and be connected to each other. Like so much of just that simple representation made me so happy. And it was also like it was like just that was enough. But it's also just nice to see Latin people in every aspect, right? Like, I loved that they changed. Obviously, I loved that, that they changed that the two salon ladies were uh, queer and in a relationship. That just made me so happy. Um, especially the one played by Stephanie Beatriz, because she's also a bisexual. She's what the kids call a bicon. <laughs> um, and then she got to play this, like, this, like, queer character who's also just kind of stupid. And I just love that. <laughs> she's, like... She's hilarious, like, she's hot, and she's kind of dumb, and that's so funny. And, the, like, the person who saves Vanessa is, like, is a queer Latina businesswoman. Like, she's the one who has the money, and she's the one who has the power. Like, that's just delightful. I just, all of it, I don't know. Because I know I won't get this kind of representation for many, many, many years. <laughs> like, I would like to say, you know, maybe this will happen when Broadway reopens, but I doubt it. But a show like In the Heights is not going to happen again for a while. So, like, the fact that it existed on Broadway and the fact that it, it was turned into a movie and that the movie is doing so well just, like, was really, really, really great. And it makes me very happy. Why do you think it's not going to happen again? I don't know. These things just don't happen. I'm just, I guess I'm looking at the history. <laughs> well, that, yeah. If I'm looking at the history, I don't see it happening again. Um, I would like to it's hope just, that it happens again. But, like, that's the thing. Like, if In the Heights can continue to be a very profitable endeavor, like, that's great. Right. Then maybe they'll be able to repeat this again. But it's also just, like, access on Broadway um, to people who aren't already wealthy um, is really, really hard. Like, the fact that Lynn was able right. to do this at all um, when he grew up in a community like Washington Heights, which is in New York City, but is not Broadway, is just amazing. And so I think for even people to get access to getting to know the people they need to know to get a show on Broadway 
is so, so, so difficult. And those people are just statistically more likely to be white, statistically more likely to be wealthy. And so people of color, Latino people, um, black people, indigenous people, Asian people, like they have way less access to these things. We don't have those stories on Broadway because like those people aren't being given access to tell their stories on Broadway. That's why I think it won't happen again for many years, because the, the systemic issue is is very, very deep, because I also don't want to be like, right. you know, it's the white people's fault because it's not like it's that that's not how this works. It's that there's a systemic issue here um, of certain types of people not being able to get access to create the right. art that they want to recreate for large audiences. So that's that's the things that needs to change. And that's not that's not an easy thing to fix. It's also the it's also made especially more difficult too when you think about how with where Broadway is headed with all of these, like, like it's getting harder just to put new stuff, like original ideas on Broadway at yeah. all, too. Yeah. Oh, and it's like... Everything is turning into an IP. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny, too, because I look at all the musicals... Which makes it even more difficult. ...reopening and that are touring and stuff, and it's all like, like, did they make a Mrs. Doubtfire musical? <laughs> it's, just... it's in previews, yeah. It's got Rob McClure. <laughs> oh, no way. Rob McClure is in the Mrs. Rob Doubtfire. Rob McClure is Mrs. Doubtfire, Damn yeah. Damn it, that makes me want to see it. I hate that that makes me want to see it. <laughs> it was in, like, its third preview, I think, and it just barely started previews when they shut everything down. See, that's interesting. No, but it's exactly that. It's it's like it's so hard for a new original story to even get to Broadway. And like Hamilton in many ways really truly changed the theater game. Um, right. And like what Hamilton did was amazing. And it's nice that it's however many years after Hamilton that people are able to talk about Hamilton's shortcomings because when it came out, it was just so revolutionary. I think that that's wonderful. But like Hamilton could have never happened if In the Heights wasn't financially successful. Oh, absolutely. Like if In the yeah. Heights hadn't landed, even if it was really good, even if it was as good as it was, if it wasn't also financially successful on Broadway, he would have, Lynn would have never been able to create Hamilton. Right. And so it's, it's, it's shows like that and it's people like him that we need more of. And there's just not that many people like him. Well, it's, it's also just an interesting fact too of like, you know, Lynn comes from an interesting position too of where he his family's pretty like set up <laughs> pretty well too. I think like that is a really good instance of like someone being able to use like what they have at their disposal and their privilege. Um Exactly. Privilege is such a like what's the word I'm looking for? It's such a like polarizing word. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard one to use. Like I'm not trying to to demonize anybody, but like what Lin, no, right. what Lin-Manuel Miranda did was wonderful because he used the assets that he had to tell other people's stories and to give opportunities to others. Like like him casting, like like right. them putting Anthony Ramos at the head of this movie, which also like I I'm in love with Anthony Ramos. Everything he does is like delightful. Um, right. Like that is someone that is someone doing it right. Like they use the wealth that they had and the people that they knew and the power that they had to like lift up the creative voices of other people and like that exactly. is, I guess that's the thing. Like, that's the change that we need to see. And there's just not a whole lot of that. Right. We need more. We need more Lin-Manuel Miranda, as I suppose, is the is the thesis of my argument. <laughs> <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's just, it's interesting because especially while, you know, me, white male. Um, Which again, I don't want to demonize you for being a white male. I no, think, no, no. I think that, I don't, that defeats the No, purpose. that's not, it, 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 it's not, de- it's not demonizing. It's just, it's a very important thing to state of like i i am a white male uh and so representation you know it it, it's never been something that i've really thought about you know because you just you grow up all around it and it was really watching in the heights that i was like wow this is a story that not a lot of people get exposed to Mm -hmm. that just isn't really told that isn't prominently told and i just don't like that because it's just, it, it, it shouldn't, like, it's great that we have this. It's great that we're celebrating it. But it just sucks that it's at a point where where the medium is so saturated by just telling one type of story. Mm-hmm. That when something different like this comes about, we're like, wow, this is so, this is so different and so alien and so unique. Exactly. Because it's like, this sort of thing should not be revolutionary. Like, telling telling love story and like presenting right. different kinds of music and presenting certain culture should should not be revolutionary yeah yeah but it is <laughs> yeah 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 the sad thing is is that the people who should be watching this to expand their views on what the world is and that they're not the end-all be-all of culture and society aren't going to be watching it well, I mean, I'd like to hope so, that they, they would. It's hard to... I'm just thinking of people, like, in my family. Mm. So it's people like my mom that I want to see this. To see that, like, hey, what you see isn't, like... <laughs> like, that's, like, you're... Like, just saying, like, oh, they're happy isn't a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's there's deeper layers to it. And that's all I could keep thinking when I was watching it was like I, my family, the ones who are just so close minded and who think the world operates in this certain way, this predominantly white way mm-hmm. is not. They're the ones who need to be watching this. But then again, it's also the thing of like, you know what? Maybe they don't need to watch it because they're pretty much set in their ways. And it's it, it's the people who are on the edge or the people who are open minded to it that it's going to help grow the numbers of people who understand, I I like to think. Right, and that's why it's, like, it's hard because in, like, the, the sort of circles we're in, it's having this conversation of, like, we need more compelling stories and we need things more than just, like, representation. Um, right. But it's, it's like, like, it's um, hard, though, because on the surface level, like, representation is still just what we need and, like, pop, like, like, look at every, like, you know, family sitcom that people are sitting down and watching, you know, every day at 8 p.m. It's, like, like, most of the media that is being consumed by people is still, like, so homogenous and it still doesn't have, right. like, absolutely anything. And, like, what I liked about the queerness that they added to the In the Heights movie is that it was subtle. They weren't, like, did you see that the salon ladies are gay? Um, like, I right. liked that it wasn't a big deal um, and that, like, Abuela didn't disown them for being queer because, like, in a lot of Latino cultures, that's also the situation, um, which is unfortunate, but it's true. And so I liked I liked that it was subtle, but, like, in also a very serious sense. Like, most people, I think, actually wouldn't catch that they were in a relationship. I think most people, like, like I, 
almost don't want to say this because it's so embarrassing but in that opening scene where they like wake up in bed together i was like oh like who is that that she's in bed with like does she like have to share a bed with her family like i i didn't i didn't look at it like me queer woman who like wants nothing more than to like date other women in this period in my life i was like oh like are they family are they friends these two women sharing a bed together like that was still my thought because i'm like they just like <laughs> that basic representation does it's does just not been, yeah exist. it's just been, right <laughs> representation is what we need representation matters and i hope that so many people go and see this movie and take their families to see it and it's very, very interesting hearing your perspective on it as well. Because, like, obviously this movie hit very close to my culture, even if I'm not um, Dominican, which is mostly the culture that it focuses on. Like, so many aspects right. of it were familiar to me. And I was very curious, like, how people who are not Latin in any way reacted to it and thought of it. And, like, right. especially because my reaction was, like, oh, I need to go take my grandma to see this movie because she's going to love it. And yours was, like, right. there's no way in hell my mom would ever watch this movie. Like, it's just so different. It's not that I don't think she'd watch it. I think she would watch it. Yeah, okay. And I might need to find a way to get her to watch it. I mean, it's just a, it's just a great little movie. <laughs> it really is, yeah. It would probably have to be the same way that I was able... I did a second showing of Hamilton with my family where they didn't, like... Where they did approach it more open-minded and they actually really liked it. So, all I can say is that while watching it, it was just a really good reminder that, you know, America isn't just all white people. <laughs> Like, I think that's just an important thing is that it, it, it's it's really that melting pot idea and we need to not be so afraid of embracing other cultures, mm -hmm. of highlighting other cultures or seeing like if somebody decides to share their culture like in In the Heights, that we don't take it as, oh, they're trying to overtake our country. Like, it's fucking right. ridiculous. Right. Like, we're, we're all just floating on a fucking rock and... <laughs> Like, none of us know what the fuck is going on. Like, we just... Ugh. People are just so dumb. People are just so stupid that, like... Ugh. That they just can't look at history or look at, like, everything that's going on around them. That they're just living in this fantasy world of, you know, this is the way it's been. This is the way it should be. This is the way it's always gonna be. Nothing mm -hmm. should change, ever. Mm -hmm. Anything that changes is threatening my way of life. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. When I think I'm, right. like, you grew up in Utah, which is, you know, Utah. And I grew right. up um, mostly in Southern California and San Diego and L.A. And so, obviously, Southern California is a massive melting pot. I think, you know, I'm probably 20 minutes away from the Mexican border. Um, right. And, but just beyond that, I mean, lots of people immigrate to Southern California because it's a great place to live. And there's major cities here. And so it's... It's also very interesting hearing the perspective of someone who did not grow up in cities that were massive melting pot um, because the, right. the perspective is just is just different. And so hopefully this movie gives more people an opportunity to see the kind of thing that they don't normally see in the Heights. It's such a good job, not only of like adapting right. the musical, but of also just creating like hopefully what can be a massive blockbuster just in general as a movie that would just be. Right. If that can happen with this movie and it can be repeated, like that would that would just put us in the right step forward to keep right. on making these sorts of things happen. 
All right. Well, the episode's getting pretty long, so we should probably wrap it up. Um, we would love to know what you thought of the In the Heights movie. You can tweet us at Too Much Expo. That's the number two much expo because we're we're cool and new age we're spicy <laughs> we're spicy this is a spicy podcast <laughs> um brendan where can the people find you on the internet you can follow me on twitter at wait wings and you can check out our youtube channel wait in the wings we're diving into season three and that's uh those are the places you can find me you can probably find me at the caribou cafe uh sometimes <laughs> <gasps> wow wow um you can find me on twitter at gabriella dazed it's a play on words or on youtube gabriella day is just my name it's really hard to find but i'm going to make a video about in the heights i'm very excited i have not been writing or doing anything creative during this whole moving process um, but I watched the movie and then I came home and I wrote for like three hours and I was like, cool, art inspires art. It's funny how that always, always does that. <laughs> so stay, stay tuned for that. And now Brendan and I can debate about the Wait in the Wings season three lineup. <laughs> Look at the fireworks, the fireworks. Hi y'all, this is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.